friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears, ladies and gentlemen. You are tuned to the MC Lars podcast. It is Monday, March 9th. I know a lot of you are feeling the effects of daylight savings, unless you happen to live in Arizona, who have to be nonconformists and not change daylight savings, which makes touring confusing because sometimes they're California time, sometimes they're mountain time. Shout out to Arizona, though because they do things their own way. It is episode 80. This week, I'm talking to Aubrey Turner of the Double Clicks. Last week, I talked to her sibling, Laser. And uh, this week, I talked to Aubrey. So Laser, as many of you heard from last week's episode, kind of writes a lot of the lyrics, does a lot of the marketing, and Aubrey does a lot of the music and composition and arrangement. And we're going to end this week with a song called We're All Gonna Die that both of them talked about randomly about how they work remotely and it's a great episode. So this is my episode with Aubrey Turner. We're going to kick things off with Dan in Kentucky as the, the MC, MC Lars, Lars. Patreon, Patreon Larson, Larson of, the, of week. the week, talking about how he discovered me through Weird Al. Check it out. So my dad and I actually found you together because we were big fans of Weird Al and we were exploring different projects he had worked on and we found the music video for True Player For Real. And after I watched that, I started exploring your catalog more and more. And I just found all sorts of stuff I liked in it. And I'd never really been too big into hip hop or anything like that. But exploring your catalog has really expanded my musical horizons. And it all started with a simple sock puppet music video and Weird Al on a phone. Thanks, Dan. That's awesome. I appreciate that. And shout out to your father. So a lot of people have been worried about the coronavirus and I wanted to say um, it was unfortunate to see that South by Southwest is canceled. I was doing a show that weekend in Palo Alto, um, the weekend of March 20th, and the headliner, they couldn't play because they were worried about traveling because of Corona. It was like a college jazz band, and there was 20 of them, and so they decided not to travel. So the show got changed up, and uh, it's being rescheduled. So I'm feeling the effects of this, too. Um, I hope all of you are washing your hands. I hope you're not freaking out too much, but I hope you're all being safe. But, you know, it's scary. Like, rest in peace to the people who have passed away by it. It's it's intense. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to say that the Palo Alto show is being rescheduled, those of you who were wanting to go there. I'll be back in the Bay, of course, doing more shows soon, for sure. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that little update. Uh Patreon, speaking of Patreon, I'm doing the Marvel songs. The Guardians of the Galaxy song is coming this month, and the Guardians of the Galaxy song part two is coming this month. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that flavor. This week's episode is brought to you by the following Patreon Larson. Shout out to the new ones, Josh, Jennifer, and Emma. Thank you for signing up. Shout out to the old ones, Alex, Seth, and Alex, aka Super Hobbit. I appreciate y'all very much. And it's very fun making these Marvel songs, so stay tuned. Thank you all for your loyalty and support. If and when you sign up, you get a number, a secret phone number that you can call in. And if you share a memory, an MC Lars memory like Dan in Kentucky did, guess what? I'll send you a free t-shirt. Enjoy Daylight Savings and enjoy this amazing interview with the wonderful, talented musician, Aubrey Turner of the Double Clicks. Cheer!
I am here with Aubrey Turner of the Double Clicks. Thank you so much for having me. We've been on tour. We have been on tour. It's been so much fun. We were really looking forward to doing this for a long time. And then we came and it was better than we ever imagined. And you both, you and your sibling Laser have been so helpful. You've brought a lot of fans. Aww. And it's been different because like last night we had a night off. We were playing Pac-Man at the Pac video game yeah, bar. Yeah, four-person Pac-Man. I love that one. Outside. And you were saying how you don't tour with a lot of rappers. It's true. I think uh, maybe we like we have every once in a while, like we had uh, Mega Ran guest on a show when we were in Phoenix, which was amazing. And we did a we did a West Coast tour with Samus, which was amazing. Uh, but yeah, we don't this is not our usual. We usually tour by ourselves or have like some ladies with guitars open for us, <laughs> which is very fun. But this has been amazing. It has been really fun to introduce like some of our fans to what you do, which is amazing. And I think that the rea reaction from fans who maybe haven't seen you before, who are like the nerdcore rap fans, yeah, they all love you both. Oh, they've been so nice. Yeah. You have the best fans, which is, you know, to be expected because you're the best. That's sweet. We're fortunate. And I think it's fortunate that... Thanks for saying that. That it's you get to a point where you do it long enough. You're like, I guess this is my life, playing these songs. You yeah, know what I mean, I, I guess do. this is the thing. <laughs> I was just thinking that the other night. It's like, how is this? How is this happening? Like everyone was like, wake up and go like, oh wow, this is really. I get to go play these songs for people, and like they, they show up just to hear the hear us play. It's like, wow, okay, that's what amazing. a privilege, right? It really is. I mean, I. Uh, yeah, I'm, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about how, like, looking at, out at the audiences, it's like, this stuff, it doesn't just happen. It takes, I talk, I use the word attrition a lot on this podcast. Ah. You go until, you know, you go until you don't think you can go at any further, and then you go even further. Yes. And it's like, um, kind of like this metaphorical quest. <laughs> of we just, are on the hero's journey. <laughs> we're on the hero's journey. And, but this, this tour, I've mentioned that because it feels like it's been, victorious in a lot of ways you know yes for sure that's time it was really fun watching you a couple nights ago when we were in ann arbor and how many people were reacting to your songs and just like have been with you for so long and oh, they're yeah. so excited it was really really fun <laughs> thank you that ann arbor was great it really was it's a good nerd city yeah for sure you all do you both do really well in a lot of markets and some of your biggest markets what like portland boston yeah how do you reach your fans i know that's a huge question but you both have a huge like awareness in the nerd music community what okay how do you do it great this is a great question <laughs> what do i think okay i'm excited for you to also ask that to lasers so yeah. they can tell you uh because they're brilliant and they know what they're doing um we we love so we uh at the very beginning wanted to just put out as many songs as possible so people could find us on the internet. So we did like a song a week on YouTube when we first started the double clicks. And then, uh, and then we were really lucky to be able to play around Portland. And we had, we were playing with a uh, open mic group of really supportive people that would come out to each other's shows. And then we were very lucky because uh, Paul and Storm and Nerds and Music was coming through town and we just sort of, emailed them and they're like this never works but this was the perfect email and laser sent a really short email <laughs> with like a youtube 
uh, link to a song, and we hadn't put out a CD yet at that point. Wow. Yeah. So that introduced us to a lot more Portland fans, okay. which was wonderful. We got to play like two songs on that show, and they were there, I think, with Will Wheaton. So that was a big pull. And then, uh, yeah. So after that, we kept making music and putting it out on YouTube and eventually uh, put together our own sort of tour. Oh, actually, we went on tour first with Marion Call. That's tight. Who's an amazing, she's like the whole DIY tour, gonna do a bunch of house concerts and just, she used to tour for like m nine months out of the year. Wow. Which was Whoa. intense. <laughs> Marion Call. Yes. Um, she, she's in yeah. Alaska. She's a singer songwriter who also went to Stanford. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I think that name is familiar. Yeah. Um, where in Alaska is Marion Call? Uh, she's in Juneau. Wow, I've yeah, never been there. Have it's you? It's beautiful. Y'all been up there with her? We did. We got an opportunity. Uh, her and her uh, her partner Patrick Race, who's a comics person, they put together a comics camp every year, which is like a week in a beautiful park in Alaska, like where the mountains are, and like there's a big. It's just gorgeous. Wow. Uh, so they put like sort of a, a one day comics convention together, so all the locals can come see all these amazing uh, in independent comics artists like a lot of web comics people um which, which is incredible and then and they they also do a bunch of presentations around the schools for kids like being like you could be a comics artist this is what That's i do amazing yeah so they're amazing they do a lot of community stuff and uh pat has a comic shop in juno uh called i think it's called alaska robotics because that's the name of his comic that's but awesome we yeah we were really lucky to get to go up and do that uh with marion and there was also uh seth boyer who's an amazing guitarist songwriter and molly lewis the very own molly lewis hey, so it was like a concert as well as yeah. this kind of educational summit it was very fun that's awesome yeah um have you all been international we just recently got to be oh, international. Yeah. We had been going up to, we were very lucky, like when we did our DIY tours, we like found some really nice, uh, like the, what is it called? It's not the Silver Snail. Some There's a comic shop in Toronto that was very kind and let us uh, do shows there, which was always really fun because everybody had to stand along the stacks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then last year we did a Kickstarter, and one of our goals was to be able to do a European tour. And we had been invited to uh, the WorldCon, which is in Dublin, which is a science fiction, uh, like mostly literary con. And then we got to play there, and then we did a, like a two-week tour around Germany and the Netherlands and uh, Scotland and London, which was amazing. That's amazing. And you were playing like a lot of non-conventional venues. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so we did more house concerts. We did, uh, we played in nerdy uh, shops that sold. Oh, we did uh, definitely a game store in the Netherlands. And we did another nerdy shop in Berlin. It was really amazing. They were just, we found ni really nice people who already knew our songs, which wow. is bizarre. Right. Like we've met uh, Patreon backers like in another country on the other side of the ocean it was just beautiful they were the nicest people is yeah. we are so so very very 
privileged and blessed to have all those people. And you're very good with your fans. I noticed that at the merch because we both have fans who are kind of maybe, I don't know if this is fair, but let me know what you think. Fans that maybe don't go to a lot of concerts and don't go out a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like you want them to feel very accepted and loved and appreciated. And I can see both you and Laser do that. We just really appreciate that they come out of their houses because we're, <laughs> we're uh, we feel very much like those people. Like I don't go to a lot of shows, and when I do, it's making a huge effort because maybe I'm not as extroverted as a lot of people, and uh, I'm gonna feel really awkward. So we like to tell people, "Yes, please come talk to us. I swear we're gonna be more awkward than you. Yeah. We want to take a selfie with you. We just we're just so happy you came." <laughs> Right. Don't feel. That's the thing about punk rock is that it's about removing the barrier between the audience and and the stage, right? And so that's what I love about nerd music and and all the different performers in this genre. I say that with quotes because um, nerds are as good as creating as they are at consuming. I think. Oh yeah. And that's like what makes them special you they know? are the best fans when they yeah. like something they really champion it and they'll tell all their friends about it and that's exactly how we find more people is because we're not we don't have a publicist who tells who like does a bunch of marketing and tries to get us uh yeah it's just word of mouth from all these wonderful fans who are like hey you like this you probably would like the double clicks and it's just amazing we can't believe how far that's gotten—it's <laughs> really amazing. And how the world has changed. That like back in the day, the uh, like literal gatekeepers of the record labels would would decide who was famous. Yeah, who would all. get on the radio and who would be on MTV. Yeah, and then everyone else kind of either the, if they were either Discord records or they were forgotten. Really, absolutely, it was like a really messed up. I don't know, kind of like the worst elements of capitalism. That like if it's profitable and big, it will exist. If not. These people will not be able to do it. That's changed in both of our times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just got totally got destroyed with Napster, which was a good thing. And like they had and had the whole backlash of, well, now we're going to prosecute you for downloading stuff. And then they completely stopped developing new artists. They were just putting out back catalog on on uh, newer newer media because they were trying to make surround sound a thing, like DV. Oh yeah, like the. I don't know. They they were like two different formats of uh, 5.1 surround, like sort of DVD, Blu-ray, audio, which nobody wanted because we could just put MP3s on our tiny little iPod and like listen to it all the time. That's what we wanted was more access, not like higher quality because you want to listen to music all the time. That's it makes true. you feel better. Yeah, it's you don't <laughs> want to be in a proprietary room with yeah. surrounded by speakers. I remember that. You're right, and I know ICP did a record there. Oh, they did a really cool record, and they got it like remastered. Yeah, I actually, you heard that? I heard some of it because I was uh, at a class with the guy who mixed it in surround. Like he mixed um, them. He mixed the Grateful Dead in surround. He Jeez. did. Uh, he did, he was just a master of that and so he was like you have to listen to this icp track it's really cool there's all this shit going on yeah and so that was fun to listen to he was very excited uh yeah he came to because i went to college for uh production and engineering and he came to do a presentation about surround sound and that was really cool but they yeah they did that and yeah but the the, the thing was that it there's there's a whole barrier to entry if you're going to do 5.1 surround you have to right. buy the whole setup Right. which you have to really n- want to do that. And it's, 
I mean, some people do that for like maybe playing games, but yeah. that's a whole different experience. Well, you need a whole room in your house for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you got to tune your room, tune the speakers, and not live in. Yeah, you, you and you. If you live in an apartment, you're going to annoy like five times as many. <laughs> <laughs> for real <laughs> what if i just get really nice headphones i just want that that works yeah that's actually like a really beautiful metaphor for like how the industry changed and how yes. yeah and how we're able to exist so talking about chronology so what would you say was the year zero for the double clicks Ooh, it might be 2009 i moved i graduated college i moved out to portland laser was still in college um and they were taking some English classes, including a poetry class. And I was going to a bunch of open mics and playing with a bunch of beautiful singer, songwriter, folk musicians in Portland. Um, Cause everybody wanted a cellist, which was great. Yeah. I was very lucky. And so, uh, but laser was writing really great poems that also had like, they were funny. They were sweet. They were very, they had some sarcasm in them. And I was like, what if you just put this, you're playing a guitar now. What if you just go yeah. ahead and put that to music and we go to the open mic, you're going to be, you're going to burn it down because everybody else is so serious <laughs> and yours right. is funny. And they definitely connected to the audience, which was great. And then we finally, and we kept going and YouTube at that point was where you could get discovered. <laughs> right. Right. Thanks so, YouTube. <laughs> way back before the algorithm is making it impossible uh, <laughs> to do music. But they, that's true. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, YouTube has gotten weird. Yeah. They're trying to launch their own music app. Oh. And I think they're, it's going to be like a pay to play kind of thing, which it's, sucks. So you need a label to, it's kind of, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. like, what's it called? Like um, net neutrality. The idea that like certain people have access to certain content. Right. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, the algorithm on YouTube now, I guess, is you have to put out a video that's over 15 minutes long, which is much different 15 than- 15 minutes? Yeah. Every week, probably. Exactly. Wait, wait. But then <laughs> then you have to become like a prog rock band. Sure. For that, for them to then like recommend it to people you're Exactly. Saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Which is, so there's a lot of like DIY tutorials that get put out and like, it's great for, probably for ASMR people and sure. for- other things that that's what that's what they are deciding to go with on youtube right now because then it has a higher retention of viewers who then will want to use it more like a uh, tv yeah right yeah um aubrey why portland what made you come to portland well laser was going to school in portland okay so that and i so i visited it i was coming from boston which was snow and wind and every nobody make eye contact with you and they were all really grumpy uh so i was like yeah let's go with like the trees where it's green and it's not freezing cold right and so i tried that out at that time portland was pretty low cost like i could find a house with a bunch of housemates for under 400 dollars a month which is amazing that's amazing yeah <laughs> so i think a lot of musicians were moving to portland at that point just because they needed to keep their costs down because being a musician doesn't immediately pay a bunch of money. <laughs> right. So, uh, so yeah, Portland seemed like a good time. I was, yeah, I was, I was trying, you know, I was, uh, what was I, 21? So I was trying to like separate from my parents and get across the country from them. Yeah. <laughs> and it was and nice. And your sibling was out there. And my sibling was out there. So yeah. I already had somebody I knew. I also, our cousin was living there at the time too. And she is a super nerdy, awesome person. 
and uh yeah so i crashed with her for a month and then she got pregnant <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was really funny yeah uh th- with her husband and uh and then they moved to denver for the sun because portland's so rainy uh but they but yeah it was really fun i and i had met other musicians while i was in school in boston because i made a record right out of school with an amazing uh singer songwriter who played upright bass named Ashley Caudill and I went out to Denver and mixed her record and then I met a bunch of other musicians from Portland and I was like okay I'll move out to Portland they're Mm. like you're gonna be in my band okay sounds good (laughs) and (laughs) And so it came to pass and this is my life now and then (laughs) and then uh Laser started writing songs and uh and I got a job off of uh doing elder care because you can just do that with no experience off of uh Craigslist in Portland and uh, and the, yeah, started wow. making music, a lot of music with amazing people. And then that got very exhausting. And Laser was so good at marketing our shows. Like they, it blew my mind that they would make a Facebook event for our shows. Right. And people would actually come. Right. As opposed to other people who were like very good musicians and they just didn't know how to promote themselves. And I was like a little frustrating because I wasn't the, like, it would be like a five person band and we'd all show up and we'd be like, okay, why didn't you tell anybody we were going to be here? Yeah, right, right. That's, <laughs> that's an amazing skill set to um, be able to write songs and promote it. Yes. That is, and all the, it's interesting how, like, that's something you can learn, but it's also something about being fearless and being persistent and not being afraid of being annoying. Yes. Right? To annoy people Absolutely. about social media. Um, but you both are very good at marketing and branding. And like you have the the special merch packs with all your stuff, <laughs> like the completionist packs. Please take all of our music. We'll give you a deal. We love you. Please. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Like, and I've, I haven't talked to a lot of people who studied music in, for college. So you went yeah. to Berkeley School of Music? I did. They didn't teach you about self-promotion. I was going to ask very that. very sad. There was a music business major. Oh. And so people would take that, but it, I feel like it was becoming outdated while I was there sure. because the music industry was changing so much. Like while I was at Berkeley, they changed from mostly using 24 track tape machines to primarily using Pro Tools really? in, our, in the engineering uh, major. Yeah. So you're probably, fi- you're probably, I'm, I'm 37. Yeah, I'm almost 35. Okay. Oh, so yeah. you're three years younger than me. Exactly. So did you know a guy named David Cusick? who's a professor there. Maybe he left before your time. I don't know. He wrote a book called The Future of Music, ah. which inspired, download the song is basically a rap version of that book. Oh, nice. And he in 2005, I got in touch with him. And um, anyway, I thought that book was very prescient, but he wasn't there when you were there. And that was, he's probably in the music industry side of yeah, things. Yeah, if he was in the music business, I probably just didn't know him. Yeah, yeah. He, he would have still been at, been at Berkeley while I was there. Um, yeah. And then... Yeah, Berkeley. So Berkeley School of Music. So I wanted to ask you this, and my podcast. I will say this: is something I'm trying to fix. I interview a lot of dudes, and you know, just because I know there more. There were a lot of dudes at Berkeley when I went to Berkeley. Yeah how <laughs> how how did it feel being a, a woman producer, and how do men help like break this sexism in music? <laughs> that could be a whole po- whole ten podcast. Well, it was just like I think they. 
when I was at Berkeley, they were still figuring out the school's identity and how to get more women in because most of the, like you had to pick a primary instrument and most of the people played guitar and like Dream Theater had just come out of Berkeley and everybody was like, I'm going to be the next Dream Theater. Oh, they were and Berkeley guitar. students? Yeah. And uh, yeah. So <laughs> there was a lot. Is it that part of the population of the school they they've definitely rearranged it they made vocalist a uh, major like a primary instrument which is so smart because they have such amazing vocal teachers at berkeley mm. and then a, and then they really expanded their string department which is why i was able to get in because when i came it was very easy to get into berkeley i'm glad you're impressed if you think berkeley's a really cool school <laughs> but you're you're also an amazing multi-instrumentalist oh, you. yeah you had to, i'm sure you had like a very rigorous audition no, it wasn't. It was. It was fine. It was good. Okay. It was. I had. I had done a lot of uh, cello in in high school. I was really lucky to study with amazing teachers, and including somebody who did uh, a lot of improv. Uh, taught us a lot about improv on strings, which wasn't the normal thing for mm. classical music people. And so I was lucky enough to have that, but they were also really pushing to have more string players at Berkeley at that time because it was a smaller department and it's gotten a lot bigger. Um, so let me ask you, is it more classical or jazz or pop? Or it's like, so jazz. It it's is. So or it was so jazz. Yeah, yeah. What about now? <laughs> I. That's a really good question. I think they're trying to do more and more rock. I know they've definitely opened up a lot more hip hop in oh. at Berkeley as well. So that's, that's right. really nice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I had a, a a music teacher who was very instrumental on nice. me in the in middle in high school. One of my first rap songs was for his class. He said, Okay, make fun of Macbeth for your assignment. So oh, I did so good. a Macbeth rap, call it Rap Beth. Yes. And he it got such he, he I got a good grade and I was like, Oh, this literary rap, there's something to it. Oh, it's so good. And I was 16, and he's an amazing jazz pianist. Biff Smith is his name. Shout Ooh. out to Biff Smith. But he would spend his summers teaching at Berkeley. Oh, cool. Jazz piano for the summer yes. students. And um, he would always talk about how great it was. And um, yeah, it's like, he was a really important person in my life. That's so rad. And I wonder if you had some teachers that really re reached you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had yeah. my, my cello teacher, especially, he was uh, Eugene Friesen. There we go. Eugene Friesen, he played with the uh, David Winter Consort, which is like a very jazzy, like has everybody in it. And the cellist has always been a really big deal in that, uh, in that arrangement. But he introduced me to a bunch of different styles of music. He made, he definitely made it like, guess what? You're just going to play cello as you. You don't have to be anybody else, mm. which is great. <laughs> And uh, I took a lot of his classes. I remember one day in Improv for Strings, he's like, all right, now you go. And then I did it. And I did like all these crazy rhythms. He was trying to teach us how to think of them on the staff. So like being able to like visualize the notes as you're playing them. And I didn't do that, but I did play something really cool. And then he's yeah. like, that was great. You have no idea what you just did, do you? I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I so, don't know what that was, but it was fun. It sounded cool. So he gave you a context for a different way to think, and then you kind of broke the the, yeah. the rules. He was he was giving me the context of, guess what? You can't really compare yourself to other people, right? Especially at Berkeley because there's so many talented people, I'm and sure. it's really easy because some of the professors are not as encouraging as others. I'm sure they've changed the 
the people and it's all turned over and everybody's really nice now but like your prof- your teacher who taught is probably like i love the teachers who are so enthusiastic about sharing their skills right. instead of being like all right you have to play it exactly like this and there are wrong notes and you shouldn't play those <laughs> and yeah. it's like really disappointing at a time when you need a lot of encouragement when you're first starting out because it's very easy to give up and get disappointed and like have too many critics in your head about music well and, <laughs> and there's this i remember seeing an article that like to make the salary that someone who works at spotify makes you have to stream like 100 million songs a month or something like that oh something like that that's it might be hyperbolic but sure. like it's a very you, it's such a small amount of money for, for all place. the streams yeah the people who build the technology and the apps and the way we consume content are the real people who make the money which right some could argue that the engineers are the ones who are they're creative in a separate way but to be a musician and make a living or make any money is it's very easy to be discouraged it's very easy to like want to do something else oh absolutely and um having teachers who are like no like this is special you love it this means more than anything yes um did you ever see the movie whiplash have you heard of that movie i have heard of that movie so there's a drum drum teacher who's kind of like right really um procrustean and like you could say abusive to this kid who wants to be a drummer yeah at, and i think it's at nyu yeah, yeah yeah um but he talks about how there's an interesting thing that he talks about to the kid like okay do you have music in your family are your parents musicians and when he says that they're they're not he's like oh well then it's not in you and it made me, made me think about that and think about how um you know some people have different interests in their parents but you were telling me your pa- your dad is a producer oh yeah our dad's a producer and a guitar player my mom plays the piano and the bass and they both sing they were actually in a band touring when i was born like I, for the wow. first six months of my life i was in the tour van with them uh yeah they like uh dad went to north texas for music oh wow yeah. in denton yeah exactly. wow yeah they were in denton where if you apparently at the time if you there were drive through margarita bars and the way they made that safe is they would give the driver a straw for their margarita okay. so that you wouldn't take your eyes off the road. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but that was the time before, of course, a lot of like they would they would hire actual bands to play in bars for like five hours a night because mm. they weren't doing as much recorded music. Right. Over the yeah, so they 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 did so many honky tonks in Texas. <laughs> and you really would they really got their skills <laughs> yeah, like the were. Beatles. Yeah, they definitely, he loved the Beatles. He loves Led Zeppelin. Yeah, we grew up listening to the Beatles, Laser and I. So music has always been prominent in your family. Absolutely, yeah. Um, We had a recording studio in our house, so it just like felt like something you could do. So you grew up, like when we were saying the podcast, you helped me set up the mics, which I appreciate. (laughs) I I plugged in the cables (laughs) and the mics. It does feel like I got a degree in cables because I feel like most of my, like, uh, you had to do classes, but then you also did recording sessions and you would assist on everybody else's sessions, which was really fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just mostly like wrapping cables, putting cables away. I was on the tech crew, so we did all the soldering and all the studios. So you know a lot about the technical side. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can. You do, more I, than I, most I people. Sure. Um, Aubrey, how many instruments do you play? Uh, I mostly play cello. Like my cello teacher, Eugene Friesen, he's like, yeah, all my friends are learning all these other instruments, which means I'm just getting better at cello than them. <laughs> it was very <laughs> funny. I also was in school with a, 
another uh, cellist who was coming up uh, named uh, Rashad Eggleston, who's I know him ridiculous. He, he grew up with me in yeah. Big Sur. Oh, that's awesome. And he played. Um, he would play shows with my friend Nico Joris nice. at our school, and, and so I knew that guy growing up. He's a year older than me. Yeah, he's amazing. This is, wait, was he a professor there? Or no, no, no. He, he was, was a he was a couple of years ahead of me. That's yeah, he a was small a world. And so I, I took a couple lessons from him because he was developing his like super chopping technique. Yeah, and he was teaching me. He's like, you can play all the instruments on the cello, like you can play the drums right. on the cello, you can play the vocal, you can. And so he was, yeah. He was amazing. He like made Berkeley change their policies on practice rooms because he would practice all night long. And then they would kick wow. him out of the practice room because you had to return the key at a certain point. So they stopped locking the practice rooms after he graduated. <laughs> to encourage this talent. So they were like, why are we doing, why are we punishing people for practicing? <laughs> wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. He was wild. He was so much fun. Yeah. So he's, he was also a big uh, cello influence. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So you've been blessed with music around Absolutely. your life. But you've also made the conscious decision to be like, this is my career, this is who I am, and this is what I do. And I think that takes bravery, and I think that takes belief in yourself. And I think that in doing what you and I do, I don't know, it's like you can kind of inspire other people to do the same. And, and that's like, I think really, really important to find the special thing that might be like non-traditional that's going to make you happy despite what people say. And it sounds like you were really encouraged, but also it sounds like you kind of knew this is what you wanted to do with your life. I definitely knew like when Laser started writing songs, I was like, this is going to be cool. And if they want to keep doing it, I'm going to follow them as far as they want to take this. Oh, yeah. And it was just... Because every time, like every time they wrote another song, it's like this is even better than the last song you wrote. Right. This is amazing. I don't know how you do this. And then, uh, and it was developing a new relationship with each other because now we weren't just like bratty siblings, and they would like trust me with their artistic vision to him, like take it and produce it and make some arrangements, and which is, of course, very delicate to take somebody else's artistic vision and. It just feels like a super privilege to be able to do that with them. And to be honest, like laser, maybe try this chord or have yeah. you thought of this, right? They're very, and yeah, they're just like just taking it at whatever speed we want it. Like also being, owning like, it doesn't have to be perfect right now. We're just going to keep putting out what we can do in this moment and not, uh, and just, yeah, just go ahead and put it out and not have to make it perfect. That right. was definitely a big thing after being at Berkeley, which felt like there was a lot of perfectionist uh, professors. <laughs> and then just being like, no, we can just sort of do this. Like, and, uh, of course, Antifolk was a huge influence. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like Kimmy Dawson and everybody in that crowd. Just like, we're just going to put it out. It still means a lot. Like, you can affect people with your words without having incredible production every single time. And in fact, that when it's imperfect, it's, it might be a little more real, a little more human. Yeah, it might be a little, it might be even easier to access for some people. So, Laser writes the lyrics. Does Laser write come with chord progressions too? A lot of times they do. Yeah. Every once in a while they don't. And then okay. I get to go a little crazy with it, which is fun. That's tight. They were they broke their elbow a couple of years ago. And uh, so, they like just sent me a track of them singing. Uh -huh. And I programmed everything underneath it and they were like what just happened i'm like i just programmed everything you sang because they also sang the drum breaks they went but don't it was hilarious and then i gave it back to them and they're like i don't remember 
well, I don't know, understand what you're doing. And then made them listen to the original. And they're like, oh, that's <laughs> I a, sang that. That's a special relationship. <laughs> it was fun. That you can decipher what they said. And <laughs> <laughs> I have a really good time doing it. It was very fun. Yeah. Um, so, Aubrey, so you, y'all are on YouTube and Spotify. What are some great ways the listeners of this podcast can Ooh. support you both? And both social media, financially, anyway. I want you oh, to plug you. everything. Yeah, absolutely. We um, we also have a podcast um, that we haven't been doing while we're on tour, but we try to do it every week where we, it's called You Should Write a Song About That. <laughs> and <laughs> we have a conversation with each other because now we don't live in the same city. Like they moved to LA and they're doing a lot of really cool stuff. They'll probably tell you about it. Um, the So we call each other to catch up and then we write a song about whatever we Oh. Or, uh, we were talking about so every episode has its song that's a really fun way to keep up with us you can follow us on instagram we're everywhere at the double clicks we're the double clicks.com we're on twitter we're on facebook we have a really fun group of people uh in our facebook group called fans of the double clicks where everybody posts like pictures of hanging out with cats at parties or uh Demetrodons or whatever they find. Yeah. It is very fun. Um, a lot of cat pictures. It's very good. Uh, or we are also on Patreon, which helps us do our podcast and all of our other producing music stuff. We got to do <laughs> for some of our Patreon um, patrons. We got to call them on the phone and sing them a motivational song <laughs> while we were on tour, which was really fun. Oh, we talked. We like. Somebody was writing a book. A lot of people were cleaning their house. <laughs> it was really good times. <laughs> You're both like <laughs> these spirits of encouragement and goodness and good stuff. And that's tight. We get it <laughs> right back. It's really yeah. nice. It's we just like we find the more we are honest about like this is really hard, but we also want to be hopeful and practice hope. And people tell us that it really helps them and that makes us feel great, which makes us want to do more of it. It's really amazing. It's like a, as an engineer, feedback loop, right? Yeah. To use a metaphor. <laughs> and you're on Twitter, double clicks on Twitter, but you have your own Twitter, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm Aubrey Cello on Twitter. That's what's up. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for doing this tour. Thank you so much for bringing it's, us on this tour. Thanks for letting us be on your podcast. It was really fun. It's been awesome. And I feel like we're friends now. Yay. That's I what's up. This was up. Thanks, Aubrey. Thank you, Lars. I'd never been good at roller skating, so I had decided not to go. But lately, I don't care what I am bad at. I challenged what I thought I know. Turns out I'm still bad at roller skating, but I've got no regrets. I learned something. I left my house. Consequences haven't stopped me yet. There's no right answer, stop taking advice, do whatever you want to, we're all gonna die. There are solvable problems, everything has a price, dance like nobody's watching, we're all gonna die. I can't climb and I can't ride, but maybe I I tried. I can't fix the broken systems, but it's still worth it to resist them. Life comes at you lightning fast. Any day could be your last, but there's no good in fear or worry if it doesn't make you act. I don't know what matters, and I don't know why. 
just making choices. We're all gonna die. Say la vie carpe diem. YOLO DIY. Your mileage may vary. We're all gonna die. I've erased all the rules in my internal hard disk. I think my new medication may throw off my sense of risk. Actions can change you to outgoing from shy. Nothing is permanent, we're all gonna die. Can't is a tough word, it is sometimes a lie. Do things if you want to, cause we're all gonna die. But it's worth it to try. I don't want you to die. That was, of course, We're All Gonna Die by the Double Clicks from their brand new album, The Book Was Better. Check it out, pick it up, support them. Great siblings, great musicians, and I hope to work with them again. It was awesome doing this little segment on them, on the MC Lars podcast. Yo, next week, we got childhood friend, Zach Vetter. Zach and I went to high school together. We used to make videos together. He would help me with the production for my radio show in high school. He was like the first official MC Lars archivist. He's an interesting dude. He still lives in Carmel Valley, which is where I spent my life from middle school, high school onward. So my formative years, even though I rep Oakland, Carmel Valley, is where I am from. Zach Vetter is a great dude. So check out that week. I was going to do that podcast a few weeks ago. Things got jumbled up. You know how it goes. But Zach Vetter's next week. It's a great interview. We did it over the holidays. So I hope you all doing well. Thank you, Aubrey, again for being on the podcast. And I'll see you all soon. Peace. It's your boy, MC Lars, saying keep it joyful. <laughs>